Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our daily reading conference call on A Course in Miracles Original Edition. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles Original Edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net where if you mouse over the link at top for online edition, you will see the link to read ACIMOE. On the same banner menu, there is also a link to subscribe to a daily email sent to you by the Course in Miracles Society, which contains both the workbook lesson and the text reading for the day. My name is Lemoyne Castle, and this call happens for and with you every weekday morning, Monday through Friday, from about 9.15 to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Today we're continuing our reading and finishing in Chapter 17, Forgiveness and Healing, with Section 9, The Conditions of Forgiveness. And at the top of the hour, we'll pause for remembrance of our lesson for the day. Lesson 195, Love is the Way I Walk in Gratitude. Having a lovely wide open mind, but this is not helping remember what's next. Okay. Let me ask you, Lori, do you have a poetic opening for this call? Why, I do, Lemoyne. So glad to find this one. Uh, It's from a new poet to me. His name is Sam Yao, Y-A-U. And the poem is called Gratitude. Step inside your favorite cafe. Look into the eyes of a waitress who has served you for years. Ask, how are you, with a thankful smile. Notice what arises inside you. Feel the cup of latte warm in your hands. Let its delicate, sweet flavor mellow your heart. Behind the barista, can you see the farmers, the processors, the distributors from the four corners of the world toiling to create this delight to start your day? How the window is eager to show you the golden sunset over the ocean. The stair tread to rise to receive your next step as you ascend. The kettle to whistle a love song. The oven to ooze the delicious aroma of baking croissants. How the patient rocks grinded against the ocean waves for eons to turn into the finest white sands to cuddle your feet on the beach. How floating moisture, dust, and wind create the most gorgeous, shape-shifting clouds to dazzle you. How the sun and moon take turns to illuminate you from the sky. Can you see every encounter as an exchange of love? How everything around you is alive, forever saying, I love you. Gratitude unlocks the hidden intimacy you already have with everything. 
Love is the way I walk in gratitude. This hidden intimacy. Amen. Boy, that was perfect. Thank you. Nice. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Lori. That was beautiful. So beautiful. Thank you. Thanks, Lori. Yeah, thank you, Lori. I love the last three lines. Gratitude unlocks the hidden intimacy you have with everything. That's that's a stunner. Thanks, you guys. Yeah. Thanks so much for today. Um. Okay. I think what's next is <clears throat> who I have recorded here. I have with us in the reading, I have uh, Lori, Fran, Jessica, Lana, and Karen. And with us in listening, I have Jude, Pat, and Mindy. Is there anyone else who's joined us who would like to say good morning or join the reading list? Good morning, the morning. It's Renee. I'm going to listen. Great. Thanks. Thanks for being here. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think what's next is uh, get started with the reading here. Chapter 17 Forgiveness and Healing. Section 9. The conditions of forgiveness. Okay. The holy instant is nothing more than a special case or an extreme example of what every situation is meant to be. The meaning which the Holy Spirit's purpose has given it is also given to every situation. It calls forth just the same suspension of faithlessness, withheld and left unused, that faith might answer to the call of truth. The holy instant is the shining example, the clear and unequivocal demonstration of the meaning of every relationship and every situation seen as a whole. Faith has accepted every aspect of the situation and faithlessness has not forced any exclusion on it. It is a situation of perfect peace simply because you have let it be what it is. And Laurie. Uh, Chapter 17, Forgiveness and Healing, Section 9. The Conditions of Forgiveness. 74. The holy instant is nothing more than a special case or an extreme example of what every situation is meant to be. The meaning which the Holy Spirit's purpose has given it is also given to every situation. It calls forth just the same suspension of faithfulness, 
withheld and left unused, that faith might answer to the call of truth. The Holy Innocent is the shining example, clear and unequivocal demonstration of the meaning of every relationship and every situation seen as a whole. Faith has accepted every aspect of the situation and faithlessness has not forced any exclusion on it. It is a situation of perfect peace simply because you have let it be what it is. Seventy-five. This simple courtesy is all the Holy Spirit asks of you. Let truth be what it is. Do not intrude upon it. Do not attack it. Do not interrupt its coming. Let it encompass every situation and bring you peace. Not even faith is asked of you, for truth asks nothing. Let it enter, and it will call forth and secure for you the faith you need for peace. But rise you not against it, for against your opposition it cannot come. Thank you, Lori. And Fran. 75. This simple courtesy is all the Holy Spirit asks of you. Let truth be what it is. Do not intrude upon it. Do not attack it. Do not interrupt its coming. Let it encompass every situation and bring you peace. Not even faith is asked of you, for truth asks nothing. Let it enter, and it will call forth and secure for you the faith you need for peace. But rise you not against it, for against your opposition it cannot come. 76. Would you not want to make a holy instant of every situation? For such is the gift of faith, freely given wherever faithlessness is laid aside unused. And then the power of the Holy Spirit's purpose is free to use instead. This power instantly transforms all situations into one sure and continuous means for establishing his purpose and demonstrating its reality. What has been demonstrated has called for faith and has been given it. Now it becomes a fact from which faith can no longer be withheld. The strain of refusing faith to truth is enormous and far greater than you realize. But the answer truth with faith entails no strain at all. Thank you, friend. And Jessica. Seventy six. <clears throat> Would you not want to make a holy instant of every situation? For such is the gift of faith, freely given wherever faithlessness is laid aside unused. And then, the power of the Holy Spirit's purpose is free to use instead. This power instantly transforms all situations into one sure and continuous means for establishing his purpose and demonstrating its reality. What has been demonstrated has called for faith, 
and has been given it. Now it becomes a fact from which faith can no longer be withheld. The strain of refusing faith to truth is enormous and far greater than you realize. But to answer truth with faith entails no strain at all. 77. To you who have acknowledged the call of your Redeemer, the strain of not responding to his call seems to be greater than before. This is not so. Before, the strain was there, but you attributed it to something else, believing that the, quote, something else produced it. This was never true, for what the, quote, something else produced was sorrow and depression, sickness and pain, darkness and dim imaginings of terror, cold fantasies of fear, and fiery dreams of hell. And it was nothing but the intolerable strain of refusing to give faith to truth and see its evident reality. Thank you, Jessica. And Lana. Okay, 77. To you who have acknowledged the call of your Redeemer, the strain of not responding to his call seems to be greater than before. This is not so. Before, the strain was there, but you attributed it to something else. Believing that the, in quotes, something else produced it. This was never true. For what the so-called something else produced was sorrow and depression, sickness and pain, darkness and dim imaginings of terror, cold fantasies of fear, and fiery dreams of hell. And it was nothing but the intolerable strain of refusing to give faith to truth and see its evident reality. 78. Such was the crucifixion of the Son of God. His faithlessness did this to him. Think carefully before you let yourself use faithlessness against him. For he is risen, and you have accepted the cause of his awakening as yours. You have assumed your part in his redemption and you are now fully responsible to him. Fail not, fail him not now, for it has been given you to realize what your lack of faith in him must mean to you. His salvation is your only purpose. See only this in every situation and it will be a means for bringing only this. Thank you, Lana. And Karen. 78. Such was the crucifixion of the Son of God. His faithlessness did this to him. Think carefully 
before you let yourself use faithlessness against him. For he is risen, and you have accepted the cause of his awakening as yours. You have assumed your part in his redemption, and you are now fully responsible to him. Fail him not now, for it has been given you to realize what your lack of faith in him must mean to you. His salvation is your only purpose. See only this in every situation, and it will be a means for bringing only this. 79. When you accepted truth as the goal for your relationship, you became givers of peace, as surely as your Father gave peace to you. For the goal of peace cannot be accepted apart from its conditions, and you had faith in it, for no one accepts what he does not believe is real. Your purpose has not changed and will not change, for you accepted what can never change, and nothing that it needs to be forever changeless can you now withhold from it. Your release is certain. Give as you have received and demonstrate that you have risen far beyond any situation that could hold you back and keep you separate from him whose call you answered. Thank you, Karen. And is there a new reader for uh, to conclude with 79? This is Sandra. I can read. Great. Thank you. When you accepted truth as the goal for your relationship, you became givers of peace as surely as your Father gave peace to you. For the goal of peace cannot be accepted apart from its conditions, and you had faith in it, for no one accepts what what he does not believe is real. Your purpose has not changed and will not change, for you accepted what can never change, and nothing that it needs to be forever changeless can you now withhold from it. Your release is certain. Give as you have received and demonstrate that you have risen from beyond any situation that could hold you back and keep you separate from him whose call you answered. Amen. Amen. Yeah, so I, I'm open to, I'm not clear at all what to do with this section. Let's um, read it again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but how? <laughs> Um, I I really just 
keeps coming back for me, so I'm going to do it. I'm going to say, let's, uh, I, um, I'd say just let's freeform it. And, uh, although I, I don't, I don't know what that looks like. <laughs> I could maybe read, read whichever paragraphs you would like. I could call the, the list again and you can, people can read whatever paragraphs they like or I don't know, Lauren, so we, can we just read it again? It's so short. It would be lovely. That's my vote. Mindy. Okay. All right, let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six. Okay. We'll just, uh, <clears throat> I'll reverse the order and we'll just read it again for now. So with the conditions of forgiveness, uh, ask Sandra. Can you read 74? Sure. Chapter 17, Forgiveness and Healing, the Conditions of Forgiveness. 74. The holy instant is nothing more than a special case or an extreme example of what every situation is meant to be. The meaning which the Holy Spirit's purpose has given it is also given to every situation. It calls forth just the same suspension of faithlessness withheld and left unused that faith might answer to the call of truth. The holy instant is the shining example, the clear and unequivocal demonstration of the meaning of every relationship and every situation seen as whole. Faith has accepted every aspect of the situation and faithlessness has not forced any exclusion on it. It is a situation of perfect peace simply because you have left it to be what it is. Thank you, Sandra. And Karen? 75. This simple courtesy is all the Holy Spirit asks of you. Let truth be what it is. Do not intrude upon it. Do not attack it. Do not interrupt its coming. Let it encompass every situation and bring you peace. Not even faith is asked of you, for truth asks nothing. Let it enter and it will call forth and secure for you the faith you need for peace. I'm going to repeat that. Let it enter, and it will call forth and secure for you the faith you need for peace. But rise you not against it, for against your opposition it cannot come. Thank you, Karen and Lana. 76. Would you not want to make a holy instant of every situation? For such is the gift of faith, freely given when wherever faithlessness is laid aside unused. And then the power 
of the Holy Spirit's purpose is free to use instead. This power instantly transforms all situations into one sure and continuous means for establishing his capital H purpose and demonstrating its reality. What has been demonstrated has called for faith and has been given it. Now it becomes a fact from which faith can no longer be withheld. The strain of refusing faith to truth is enormous and far greater than you realize. But to answer truth with faith entails no strain at all. Thank you, Lana. And Jessica? 77. To you who have acknowledged the call of your Redeemer, the strain of not responding to his call seems to be greater than before. This is not so. Before, the strain was there, but you attributed it to something else, believing that the, quote, something else produced it. This was never true. For what the something else produced was sorrow and depression, sickness and pain, darkness and dim imaginings of terror, cold fantasies of fear, and fiery dreams of hell. And it was nothing but the intolerable strain of refusing to give faith to truth and see its evident reality. Thank you, Jessica. And Fran? 78. Such was the crucifixion of the Son of God. His faithlessness did this to him. Think carefully before you let yourself use faithlessness against him, for he is risen, and you have accepted the cause of his awakening as yours. You have assumed your part in his redemption, and you are now fully responsible to him. Fail him not now, for it has been given you to realize what your lack of faith in him must mean to you. His salvation is your only purpose. See only this in every situation, and it will be a means for bringing only this. Thank you, friend. And Lori. When you accepted truth as the goal for your relationship, you became givers of peace as surely as your Father gave peace to you. For the goal of peace cannot be accepted apart from its conditions, and you had faith in it, for no one accepts what he does not believe is real. Your purpose has not changed and will not change, for you accepted what can never change, and nothing that it needs to be forever changeless can you now withhold from it. Your release is certain. Give as you have received and demonstrate that you have risen far beyond any situation that can hold you back and keep you separate from him whose call you answered. Thank you, Lori.
Well, I think, uh, unless, uh, someone wants to, you know, I think it's fine if people want to read a particular paragraph, particularly, I'm thinking, particularly of Jessica, who got stuck with the foot-long sentence of all the things we do instead. (laughs) Um, But, you know, if anyone wants to read a paragraph or you want to Chair, let's say the floor is open. Well, good morning, it's Mindy. And I actually would like to read a paragraph, if I may. Fire away. Thank you. Uh, and it looks like I lost my scroll, so it will have to wait. I'll let someone else share first. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Mindy. I was, well, I was drawn to two paragraphs, but I'll just share the one right now. It's 77, and it does have that long description of everything we we mistaken for the source of our pain. And um, that was such a great reminder to me because I, it brought to mind another line somewhere in the Course. I'm terrible at remembering where things are, but I remember the words of Jesus where he asked us to join with him in his inability to tolerate lack of love. And all these things that are outlined, depression, sickness, fiery dreams of hell, terror, cold fantasies of fear, all those represent lack of love and even though when my back hurts or I'm upset about my daughter and I'm experiencing the anxiety from that I it's it's such a good reminder to go within rather than to look without and blame the manifestations misperceptions my misperceptions for the anxiety I'm feeling because that anxiety Jesus is telling me here is nothing more than a lack of faith in truth being true, which translates always to me as a lack of love. You know, when when I don't see love or I don't perceive love, it's not that it's not there. It's just I'm not seeing it. (laughs) So when I bring my mind back to truth and, you know, to my, as I called it yesterday, my mission control, back to now, I recognize that I've been, I'm misperceiving, you know, my mind's gone wacky and I've lost my faith and I've placed my faith in the wrong thing. I'm looking for love in all the wrong places, <laughs> so like the country song. So it brings me back to reality and, and I'm so grateful for that. And that paragraph 77 just um, and it was nothing but the intolerable strain of refusing to give face to truth and see its evident reality. Um, that's all that was going on ever. I'm complete. Hi, this is Robin Marie, and I appreciate that share. I just had an experience this morning that I'm hoping that somebody can clarify for me I'm always um, open 
to having a relationship with people. And my son is living on my property with his partner, Nadine, and and Nadine's half-sister is living in my house because she needed a place to be. And this morning, Jonathan, I have one bathroom, and Jonathan had to use it. And so when he was coming out, he said, have a, have a good day, Mom. And I said, have a good day yourself, or you too, or something like that. And, and then when I came out of the bathroom, he said, Mom, you can't say that to me. I'm not going to have a good day because I've got gout, blah, blah, blah. And um, then later he texted me and said, don't text me. And so I did text him back, and I said, I'm sorry that it's just a habit for me that if someone says, have a good day to me, I say it back. Like, I'm, I'm a pretty pleasant person. I didn't say that in the text. <laughs> and I sent him a picture, but then I'm realizing, well, you know, there's something about uh, both he and my daughter um, who's dad has passed on not my older daughter at all but the two of them for some reason go back and forth in their um wanting to be close to me and i'm trying to like i should just you know when i see him if i do today or tomorrow on the property somewhere i'll say no i won't text you if you don't want that (laughs) but it's difficult for me because you know, for a long time, we were texting, and then suddenly, so anyway, I, I know that, you know, Lana, that you're a parent, and I'm sure a lot of you are parents, and and uh, if you have any advice on that, <laughs> it would be good for me. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you, Karen. Um, I can't share right now. I'm in the middle of making a cup of coffee, but I will. Actually, it's Robin Robin Marie who shared. (laughs) Thanks. Oh, okay. Sorry. That's okay. I guess Lana was having a cup of coffee, <laughs> but this is Sandra. <laughs> Lana, do you yeah. want to share? Or, or um, I think she's making a cup of coffee. <laughs> this is a short one. I'm I don't know. Sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, let me just <laughs> share this quick. You know, I have this, I, I found and I've learned from Marie that it's not what Maggie says to me. You know, that's going to be all over the board. <laughs> that's going to be crazy stuff. It's not what she says to me. It's my response to it. You know, because if she says something to me, and it's also very helpful for her when I do this, I believe, when she says something, just say any unkind, unloving, unthoughtful thing to me, and I respond to it, then her focus leaves what she said. And her focus is now 
in a defense mode to defend what I said, to defend against it. So it's like a ping pong match. And the only thing that I found is healing is not to participate in that ping pong match. So I just, whenever she says anything crazy or mean or unloving, I just hold a place of peace for her because my response to anything unloving has to be love in order for it to dissipate and fall away. And I give my permission because my daughter years ago used to suppress her anger to the point of using drugs and cutting herself and doing all sorts of destructive things. So I give her permission to express herself freely and never take it personal because all she's releasing is pain and hurt. And who's the safest person to do that with? Mom. Because she knows mom won't judge her. She knows mom will always love her. So, you know, to me, that's just part of motherhood, you know, is is being a safety net for my daughter to release her fears and her pain. And I just hold a place of peace. I don't say anything. And she's left to look at what she said without my interference, without me complicating it by taking her focus off of what's hurting her and defending against me. And it also, because she's, of course, a miracle student, just that moment when she doesn't hear any response, she remembers. And it totally diffuses the situation. So I don't know whether that was helpful, but it sure is helpful for me and my daughter because, you know, every day, every week, you know, something will come up that has upset her. It could be at her work. It could be with a friend, you know, and then the first thing I say to her, I don't care is, I don't care if it's even I love you. She'll take it as an attack because she's right. in a defense mode. Mode. So anyway, I'm complete. I hope yeah, that was helpful. That's, yeah, that's helpful. I, I, I don't know a lot of the time where Jonathan is coming from, and I guess that you feel the same way with your daughter. But you know, I didn't realize that his gout has has now acted up again. So he has a lot of physical things that he is dealing with. It seems every time he gets over one, he gets another one. And I don't know that because he's not sharing that with me. So, you know, uh, it is interesting to, in a way, you know, I mean, I don't really know where he's coming from a lot of time. And it seems like, you know, he'll be getting better. And so then I'll be able to be more loving in, in the way that I'm used to being. And then, um, and then, something happens and I don't know and and that's yeah so it's it's quite a dance isn't it <laughs> thank you no yes because I make it real simple I don't you know Maggie's uh, fantasies and illusions about what's causing the pain in her I have no idea I don't even know some of mine so I make it real simple she's either expressing in a moment of fear or love. And when it's in fear, 
I don't have to know what the situation is. I just know have to know that she's not coming from love. So I respond to that with love. That's all. You don't need to know what, what your son's <laughs> situations are. Maggie doesn't share them with me either. But I know she's in pain or otherwise she wouldn't be attacking me. And, yeah, and so I'm complete. Thanks. That was beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Sandra? Yeah. Um, for me, I, I need to have faith in my relationship with God. And I also need to have faith in myself as a daughter of God to express God's peace into every situation by making a decision for peace for myself. So for me, and I hate to say this, I've let go of my whole family because it does not, they do not bring me peace in any way, shape, or form. And so I have to acknowledge that it's not about them, so I'm not angry at them. I see them as innocent. I see myself as innocent. So whatever brings me peace, I have to trust. And I trust Holy Spirit to show me the truth if I've made a mistake. I'm complete. Thank you. Good morning. Um, good morning, it's Karen. I just wanted to say, kind of, uh, one thing I was thinking with what Robin Ray was asking about is that there's no right, rote answer. The first thing that this reading says to us is the holy instant is nothing more than a special case of an extreme example of what every situation is meant to be. So when your son, when your son says something which is, I don't know, you know what, what you want to call it, label it, you know, unkind, or something, every single time it's the holy instant is the response. What is the holy instant? It's going within and listening to the Holy Spirit within. And it tells you what to say or what to do. You send him love, you send him peace. When it's my daughter and she's nasty to me, it isn't one answer. There isn't one answer. Sometimes I have to call her back and apologize because... You know, I've expected her to to uh, understand something, and she didn't, and she she hangs up on me or something. But other times, it's I don't do anything. I make her think about it, and then wait and see when she comes to me. But every single time, it's really tapping into that holy instant. You know, to feel the connection to the Holy Spirit within myself, to be able to listen. What, does this, what do I do, Lord? What should I do in this moment? I send a prayer to the Holy Spirit and hold the space. Um, the answer is always love, just like Lana said. Whether we demonstrate that by being silent and waiting or we respond to the situation by, um, you know, sending back like an explanation, you know. In my world, I always say good morning to people. 
and wish them a happy day. You know, and didn't mean to upset you. Whether which of those somebody was somebody wanting to talk? I'm sorry. Right. <laughs> Thanks. I'm listening. Thanks, Karen. Okay, I'm sorry if I'm going on too long. No, anyway, I was <laughs> just just taking back to the to the reading, which is Holy Instant is the answer to every situation. Turning it over to the Holy Spirit is the answer. It has the same meaning for all for all relationships, every relationship. Um the Holy Instant is the experience of wholeness, perfect love. It, it's Holy Spirit's power to transform everything. It lets the truth ent- enter and encompass everything. So anyway, that's my two cents, and uh, it was also my takeaway from the reading. Just try to respond in myself to everything in the Holy Instant. I'm sorry, I'm complete. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate being able to communicate, uh, you know, little reality bits to you guys because it helps me see it in in more clearly. And, uh, you know, to step back a little bit because I get pretty close, you know, with people and... I just have um, a little more faith that just a little bit of willingness, right? Yeah. That's true. And just know we're always not, we're not perfect. You know, there's many times that I fall into the same fear and I don't respond with love. You know, I just you know, feed the dragon with my own fear, which, which just escalates the situation. But I'm learning, you know, we're all still learning, and we learn through trial and error, through contrast, what gives me peace and what doesn't. So, um, to re- and for me to respond with love or to stay silent are both means of giving it over to the Holy Spirit and say, saying, I won't buy into this this time. This time... I won't react with fear. So I'm complete. Yeah. Shall we do the lesson? Yeah, I, I just wanted to say one thing. I was going to say to introduce it. Um, but yes, Fran. And I also want to say, Mindy, if you've found your place in paragraph, hold on to it. We can return to that. Definitely. I, okay. I just want to say... What it says is, uh, in 78, you have assumed your part in his redemption, and now you are fully responsible to him. And we're not responsible for them, maybe, in the way that we think, but it is in the response to people that they they feel, um, feel loved. And and just suggest one thing, you know, if he wishes you well, is that maybe what, you know, what he's feeling in, the, in this 
situation where he's thrown back upon you as sort of last resort is he's not feeling too good about himself, but just the heartfelt thanks for his well wishes is what he really needs more than your well wishes because he knows. Yeah, I get it now. Thank you for saying that. The next time he says anything like that to me, I'll just say thank you, Jonathan. That's yeah, good. Make, yeah. Make sure I, he's, he's heard. Yeah. Let him know. Yeah, he heard. wants to yeah. be a man. He wants to see himself as grown, as a grown man. And it's been extremely difficult for him. So, yeah, I'll just say thank you. Thank, thanks a lot, Lemoyne. Or, you know, you don't have to just say that, but say that first. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I mean, depending on what the situation is. <laughs> like, we were both waking up at 5.30 in the morning. <laughs> yeah, and there's already a line out. Yeah. Okay, well, yeah, now i turn to you, Fran, if you'll lead us in the lesson. That would be wonderful. Okay. Hi, everybody. Uh, we are still in the first part of the workbook, and the section we're on is Lessons 181 to 200. So today we're on Lesson 195, Love is the Way I Walk in Gratitude. So I shall read some, and then we'll do our five-minute practice. Love is the Way I Walk in Gratitude. Gratitude is a lesson hard to learn, for those who look upon the world amiss. The most that they can do is see themselves as better off than others. And they try to be content because another seems to suffer more than they. How pitiful and deprecating are these thoughts for who has cause for thanks while others have less cause? And who could suffer less because he sees another suffer more? Your gratitude is due to him alone who made all cause of sorrow disappear throughout the world. It is insane to offer thanks because of suffering. Your brother is your quote-unquote enemy because you see in him the rival for your peace, a plunderer who takes his joy from you and leaves you nothing but a black despair so bitter and relentless that there is no hope remaining. Now is vengeance all there is to wish for. You do not offer God your gratitude because your brother is more slave than you, nor could you sanely be enraged if he seems freer. Love makes no comparisons, and gratitude can only be sincere if it is joined to love. Therefore, give thanks within sincerity. We thank our Father for one thing alone, that we are separate from no living thing and therefore one with him. We give thanks for every living thing, for otherwise we offer thanks for nothing, and we fail to recognize the gifts of God to us. Then let our brothers lean their tired heads against our shoulders as they rest a while. Today we learn to think of gratitude in place of anger, malice, and revenge. We have been given everything. God gives thanks to you, his son, for being what you are, his own completion and the source of love, along with him, 
Your gratitude to him is one with him to you. For love can walk no road except the way of gratitude. And must we go who walk the way to God. We'll do our five-minute practice. Lesson 195, Love is the Way I Walk in Gratitude.
Your gratitude is due to him alone who made all cause of sorrow disappear throughout the world. Lesson 195. Love is the way I walk in gratitude. Amen. Thank you, Fran. Yes, thank you, Fran. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Fran. This is Sandra, and I have a really quick share that I am so grateful for the lack of love that I have felt from my family because they inspired me to learn how to love myself that I couldn't expect love from them. It'd be nice if they did, but I couldn't have that as an expectation. I had to learn to receive the love that I get. I can expect God to love me. That's the truth. Because God does love me, and that's just the truth. And that that I couldn't have any expectation of anybody else to love me. That I had to take the love that I received from God and turn it on myself and learn self-care and self-love. And that has been such a gift for me. I'm complete. <clears throat> Thank you, Sandra. Thank you, Thank you, Thank you Sandra. Oh, thank you, Sandra. Hi, hi guys. It's Jude. I really um just so appreciate the text and the the lesson today and how they go so hand in hand that um let it be, let it be whisper words of wisdom. Let it be that it's all a gift. Everything is a gift. Life is a gift. Life is living me. I think I'm doing it. <laughs> That's the most profound secret that I've, I've realized, that I'm not the one that's doing this. Life is living me, and I'm a part of the wholeness, the wholeness and the completion, completion of God expressing himself through everything and everybody. There's nothing that is separate or in between his holiness, his wholeness. And the one line that um, really helped me with the lesson today, helped deepen my appreciation of the lesson today was, you know, that love is, I am love. Love is my being. I am love. Love is my being. And the way that love walks in the world is is being great grateful. My being is grateful. My beingness is grateful in relationship to everything. And it allows everything to be just as it is. And it calls to me in waiting and from silence come the answer that I, I'm attending to. And this is what I think gra- gratefulness 
I'm learning gratefulness is that I'm I'm attending to every situation, every holy encounter, attending to it, and, and waiting for it to reveal what it needs to me. I'm asking because I don't know. So that just came to me this morning and. Somebody's playing tunes on a pot. The end. <laughs> Thank you, Judy. I thought I was Thank muted. You, I beg your pardon. Thanks, Judy. Sorry for that, Lori. Sorry. No, that's all right. I, I I thought I was muted, and I just poured coffee in my cup and jangled my thermos. <laughs> and then you so tried sorry. to speak, and oh, I muted you right in the middle of it. Coffee's causing all sorts of problems today. Thank you, Judy. Well, you know what? That's just perfect uh, because I just heard myself say what I think this section says. Uh, I know you forgive me. I know you forgive me. Um, you know, I was I was looking at manual for teachers this morning uh, because I was recalling how he said teaching and learning are the same, having and being are the same, giving and receiving are the same, means and end are the same cause and effect are the same. All of these things are the same. We've equated them, um, but you know, they seem not to be equated, but they are. So I thought, okay, I'm going to go straight to the manual for, for teachers so I can understand the words he's using today. And in there he says, the teaching and learning situation is always different at the beginning. Uh, but the ultimate goal is always the same, to make of the relationship a holy relationship. And what is a holy relationship? But one in which both can look upon the Son of God as sinless. Both can look upon the Son of God as sinless. And then I wanted to add to that what he's talking about in the first paragraph. The Holy Instant is an example of whatever situation, and a situation is a relationship, whatever situation is meant to be, the meaning given it by the Holy Spirit, uh, that the Son of God is sinless, is given to every situation. And then he goes on about the Holy Instant. And I, and I thought, okay, the holy instant is whatever his situation is meant to be. I have to recall to myself my holy instant, the holy instant in which uh, I understood something. What did I understand in that first holy instant? And I'm certain that this holy instant is given everyone. In the holy instant, I understood because communication was restored, I came without the body, and everything was given me. 
my mind uh, was empty and God placed um, well he didn't place it he revealed himself to my mind in that holy instant and what did I what did I come away with the fact that I'm innocent and everything is innocent that I'm one with God and everything is one with God that holiness is the nature of creation and that love is that relationship that exists between everything and everything you know so now the holy instant is an example of what every situation is meant to be and then he says he says all about the special relationship in paragraph 77 but what I wanted mostly to focus on was in paragraph 78 this instant in which the holy instant revealed the transformation of my special relationship to everything an ego relationship let's just say to everything uh, and let it be transformed to a holy relationship and it turns out um, for me and uh, and I'm certain when the meaning of love is restored to any mind it's restored as the nature of relationship but in that instant all my relationships were transformed so he says the holy instant how does he say it the Son of God is risen and you have accepted the cause of his awakening as yours I'm going to go back to paragraph 43 in this chapter because that's where I wanted to illustrate the fact that he's talking about the transformation of relationships paragraph 43 he says the holy relationship is the expression of the holy instant in living in this world oh boy the holy relationship is the expression of the holy instant in living in this world like everything about salvation the holy instant is a practical device witnessed to by its result results it's for me that holy instant marks my before and my after the one true thing that changed everything that showed me my world as I experienced it in specialness was totally upside down and backwards everything about it was wrong um, I was turned upside down and as a consequence of being turned right side up everything changed it's witnessed to the holy instant witnessed to by its result it never fails the expression of a holy instant is always felt and here's the hard learning for me yet without expression it is not remembered without expression it is not remembered the holy relationship is a constant reminder of the experience in which the relationship became what it is in paragraph 77 he's talking about the unholy relationship a continuing hymn of hate and praise of its maker paragraph 78 so is the holy relationship a happy song of praise to the Redeemer 
of relationships. It's a major step toward the perception of the real world. And it's learned because the old unholy relationship is transformed and seen anew. It's a phenomenal teaching accomplishment. We're talking about Paris 78 here. In all its aspects, as it begins, develops, and becomes accomplished, it represents the reversal of the unholy relationship. Be comforted in this. The only difficult phase is at the beginning. Once the relationship is offered to the Holy Spirit for his use, um, it cannot be reversed. I mean, what's joined together by the Holy Spirit with joined in the mind of God is forever one. That's the essence of the holy instant, the atonement, and the holy relationship is the expression of it living in the world. You know, I used to think holy relationship was just uh, what existed in my uh, converted special love relationship with Kathy. But it turns out only relationship as an expression of living in this world becomes a home. And by home, I don't mean a house with four walls. I mean a home where things are welcomed, whatever it is. Whatever it is is welcomed. And the holy instant is remembered in its expression of love, innocence, holiness, and communication where the special relationship was transformed into what it is. It's not a thing that exists exclusively between two people, like in the Manual for Teachers. Teaching learning relationship is different at the beginning, but as we learn to express to each other that the Son of God is sinless, guiltless, free, and holy, totally innocent and totally love, what happens is just like it says in paragraph 78, we become responsible to him. Did you notice as you read this? I did. I really did, and so I had to spend a lot of time with it. I noticed how he converted his use of pronouns in this reading. And paragraph 78 is such a sudden shift in the use of pronouns that it calls my attention to who is the you he's talking to. Who am I that he's talking to? And who is the Christ that he's asking me to assume responsibility for? It's staggering. It's as staggering as the conversion or transformation of the old unholy relationship or ego relationship into the holy relationship that we have with everything. It's the vehicle that carries the heart and mind from the thought system of the ego to the thought system of truth. This, this tool that Holy Spirit uses where he invests in two minds at the same time the meaning of love and innocence and holiness communication. It doesn't just bless two people it blesses the sonship it blesses the, the consciousness of everyone that's welcomed within it and so I, thought, I sat and I thought and I thought show me what you want me to 
tell me what you want me to see here. And I'll tell you what I saw. It's so splendid, I just can't get over it. That every time I dial 667-770-1476, I'm dialing into a holy relationship. I'm dialing into that place where minds are joined, doors are open, hearts are welcome, truth is expressed, innocence is remembered, communication is restored, and the Son of God is seen as what He is. It's why, it's, it's why we uh, so need each other, because it's the place where we can remember and express the holy instant. I, I used to say to myself, well, isn't this a splendid place? Because no matter what's said, for, forgiveness is inherent in it. In fact, it's so inherent that the need for it is obliterated. We learn to welcome each other and let each other rest their tired heads upon our shoulders, you know? Um, it's the expression, holy instant, is the Holy Spirit's tool to express the holy instant in living in this world. Without expression, it is not remembered. And in all those dark years, before he said, find your, find your people, I had a, a desperate need to express the truth, but no way to share. No, um, of course I did, but I didn't see it. I needed a place to rest my tired head. I needed a shoulder in which I could remember the holy instant, you see? And this is what we offer to each other. It's not an exclusive club. It's how we express the holy instant in living in this world. And we do it every day with each other. And uh, that's why I always remember that love and gratitude go hand in hand. And why this reading and the lesson today are so meaningful to me. Without expression, it's not remembered. So the holy relationship becomes the Holy Spirit's vehicle for remembering the holy instant and showing me how to express it. Of course, I don't always express it well. Of course, I forget it. But the essence of the relationship where innocence was restored to me is always remembered and never fails. So when I when I share holiness, when I raise an umbrella, when I remember the milieu of truth that goes with me wherever I go, uh, it includes and embraces everything and everyone. And uh, it's an internal relationship that we have with each other. Here we are on phones, we don't even see each other. We have no idea what we look like, where we're sitting, where we're surrounded. Uh, we have no idea about the doors from which we entered this relationship we share. But it doesn't matter because it's an internal relationship of expressing what the holy instant is in every relationship. I don't always know how to do it. In fact, sometimes I do it terribly. Um, but the great good thing about dedicating any relationship to truth is that my mind will relax 
my mind will relax, my thoughts will give space to that place where the Holy Spirit can tell me what love means in this moment. What is the need that I should respond to? How shall I embrace this situation, this person, this problem, this whatever it is in the most meaningful expression of love in this moment? And that's why my gratitude is due the sonship and my brothers because without my brothers and the sonship I would have no place to share love you see um, that's the great design of God's completing himself in the world is that when we find him in each other we're not distant from him home or heaven you see it's the great design to let love be what it is and uh, and it joins us all internally uh, not body to body but heart and mind heart and mind and, um, and that's what I wanted to say I think I'm complete <laughs> Thank you so much, Laurie. Oh, thank you, Laurie. That was so beautiful and so oh, complete. <laughs> thank you. Totally. Thank, thank you, you so Lori. much, Laurie. That was beautiful. This is Jessica, and... um. Laurie, you mentioned paragraph 78 and the pronouns, and um, I don't know if this applies. I'm just a little bit unclear. I would love some help with the beginning of 78, where he says, Such was the crucifixion of the Son of God. His faithlessness did this to him. Oh, yeah. I think I'm starting to understand it better. Think carefully before you let yourself use faithlessness against him. Um, So the crucifixion of the Son of God, I assume he's talking about all of us and our crucifixion and that our faithlessness... Hey, morning. Hi. Is that Mindy? Anyway, um, and it, that it's our faithlessness that has done, that has crucified us. Um, anyway, I'd love to hear what other people think about that, uh, that piece of the text there. Thank you. Well, this is Lemoyne. I, I just have to throw in one line. I don't know where it is. He does say at one point, which I believe we've passed, the, another name for the Son of God is you. Okay, and so <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. uh, but it, it, it's a general thing that the cause of his awakening is yours, right? That this thing of like just getting it. Uh, it's a, I don't. I don't want to try to express it too hard. 
But, you know, it's this thing of taking everything too seriously or taking it personally. Like the, was it the five agreements or whatever? The, 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 the Central American man wrote, so just the most excellent advice, and one of them is don't take anything personally. Mm-hmm. And that this is, that's the reach for, he's, what he's saying is don't indulge in faithlessness. I think is contained in that statement that this thing that that <clears throat> and I know I tend to I tend to be really good at this about you know finding the finding the you know a way to take anything and move it towards its extreme example, which is one of those things in paragraph seventy seven, um, but. It's, uh, you know, it's maybe valuable as a caution, but let's not go there. But it's usually an indulgence and faithlessness <laughs> and trying to join in separation, which is a little bit crazy. And so the, uh, the, the cause of awakening is, is ours, and if we can do that in a, a little bit, even a little bit in any situation, it shifts things, and then they, the other person, can maybe set something down, and and immediately get relief and a new view about it because they just didn't. They got that little bit of not taking it personally, sort of thing. Gave them some freedom to create something different. Anyway, this is kind of what he... I think this is the kind of thing that he's talking about. And he's talking about everybody, I think, when he says Son of God. There. But it's also what we do to ourselves inside, even without anyone else around. Anyway, I, I didn't mean to go on. I'm complete. I, I do no, feel... Since Go ahead, Maury. I was, oh, was going to say, no, you didn't. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> I did kind of ramble a little, but that's fine, because I think that is sort of what he does with the with some of these, with the way the language is and the way it's written is to try and stretch the language to cover possibilities that tend to get excluded in the specificity of language. And, yeah, but it is heading towards the end of the call, and Mindy popped in there. Um, do you still want have a paragraph you want to bring, Mindy? I know we put you off for the lesson. Thank you, Lamoine. I just want to say that. Oh, you're welcome. I'm sorry to kind of like grab the steering wheel and wrench it. Um, I appear to have failed in that attempt. <laughs> anyway, um, floor's open here for a little, a little while longer on the recording. Hi, it's Lynn. I hope they're, they're mowing the lawn outside, so I hope that noise is not too bad. Um, you know, uh, I'm so glad you brought that paragraph up. 
um, Jessica, uh, for me, you know, and this is just me personally, the crucifixion has always been the battle between truth and illusion, between ego and the Son of God, between faith and faithlessness. And when I look at the words Jesus spoke as he was on the cross, you know, I can see, you know, first he said to the Roman, to the God, you know, to please forgive them for they know not what, he, what they do. And he explained this in, I know he did in the urtext because he says he knew they were projecting on him because he felt nothing but love for him. So, okay, Jesus, the man, was in his right mind and he, he felt any love. But he had a moment. He had a moment where he said, Father or God, my God, my God, why has have they deserted, why has thou deserted me? So, you know, I think of the crucifixion as the triumph over the ego. And Jesus did that uh, when he said, Into thy hands I commend thy spirit. And his final words on the cross were it is finished. And in that, oh, and it gives me holy goosebumps when I think about it, because in that moment, the Son of God, um, how does he say overcame the world? The Son of God overcame the ego. And it represents not just the man Jesus on the cross, it represents all of us, because we are all within the one friendship of God. We were all there with him on that cross. And his humanness died on that cross. His ego died on that cross. But the Son of God rose from that death because the Son of God was eternal. And it was his demonstration that only love is real because only love survived. Um, fear was put to death. And all we're doing, or all I'm doing, is remembering that fact. That truth is true, and anything unlike love cannot be real. It's an illusion now, because the crucifixion overcame that lie that there was duality, that there was a choice between love and something else. And um, when I read that paragraph, um, you know, the... Oh, God, what? He says, you have assumed your part in this redemption. He redeemed us, and you are now fully responsible for him because he's the symbol of truth, love overcoming fear, truth overcoming illusion. Um, and um, anyhow, and his salvation is your only purpose because his salvation overcame. You could say it was like when he said, get behind me, Satan. You know, it's the same as saying, get behind me, ego. He acknowledged its unreality and chose only love and truth. So, anyhow, that's what that paragraph meant to me. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Thank you, Lana. Well, thank you, Lana.
Yeah, thank you, Lena. Yeah, this is Lori again. And the other thing I really like, no, I love, I adore, in paragraph 78, uh, is this very daunting phrase. His salvation is your only purpose. See only this in every situation, and it will be a means for bringing only this. Oh, if that... <laughs> if that were Lori's responsibility, his salvation is your only purpose, uh, we'd all be lost indeed. But this is, um, this to me is the gift of transformed relationship or transformed, um, transformed uh, self to capital S self. We become... Oh man, this is so intensely personal. But we we become custodians for each other. You recognize in a brother yourself. You recognize his holiness is yours. You recognize his innocence is yours. You recognize his atonement is yours. You recognize that love is yours shared together. You've invited you've invited Christ to enter this relationship and now everything about it is changed you're no longer um, looking to get something from this this one who gave you all this you're looking to protect this one from any innocent any threat to innocence you're looking to protect the Son of God uh, from any harm you're looking your goals are are altogether changed and um, the word for that the word that I I just love it was given me I, I don't claim it but the word given me for that relationship is custodial we are now protectors of each other and this is what Christ mind asks of me having been uh, transformed in a holy instant and learning what holy instant can be expressed as in relationship he asked me uh, to assume a custodial relationship for his son and protect his innocence from all harm and all of that is so clearly given in paragraph 76 he says this is the gift of faith a holy instant is made of every situation this faith isn't mine even this faith was gifted me in this moment of transformation this acceptance of the holy instant and holy relationship and my purpose for living is entirely changed the word the word he wants me to focus on is purpose i have a purpose i joined universal purpose this purpose isn't mine it's given me to be a holder of a holder of innocence and a protector of innocence 
and that's my responsibility given me by faith so that Holy Spirit can make of this life in this relationship in all relationships a place where the Son of God is protected his innocence is guarded and the Holy Spirit's purpose becomes my own that's uh, what I wanted to say and as for the clarification of pronouns uh, I looked in paragraph or in chapter 19 uh, for further reading on this topic you might say the bibliography for this is in chapter 19 paragraphs 64 through 67 I'm complete thank you Laurie Well, thank you, Laurie. Thanks, Laurie. And I can only share what it means to me. <laughs> so, now I'm complete. Well, thanks, Lori. I, I didn't really go look, but that's then in the obstacles to peace somewhere. Just keep pointing at Okay.
because it's in between the time that I had been, let's see, no, it was before, before I, I had some, I had people start to push the, push the, not push, but offer Course in Miracles as uh, something that was paralleling the way I was trying to think. Um, long before, it was like one of the first real breakthroughs into, just into my awareness, was the thought that everything, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> was the thought that it's all already all forgiven. And, you know, I didn't really know what the forgiveness was, really, at that point, thinking of it in the thing of first judging and then giving up the judgment. And so in that frame, you know, forgiveness is just uh, a temporary suspension of judgment, really, or maybe a special case of forgiveness, a pardon, rather, you know, a pardon granted only one that's not actual forgiveness. It's, it seems, it, it, I guess I kind of noticed or missed where this section doesn't really spend a lot of time on forgiveness, but it's called the conditions of forgiveness, and it just sort of reeks of other things on spoken here, like acceptance and, and things like that, and... Uh, yeah, I, I really don't haven't known where to go, but okay, holding out again, I'll push again. And uh, I think to close this call with uh, something from A Course of Love, um, which does does this thing of fuzzing out the specificity of language, <clears throat> where there's Chapter 6 used to be called Forgiveness, and the first edition gets called Forgiveness slash Joining. It starts with the paragraph, Joining rests on forgiveness. Or starts with that first sentence, Joining rests on forgiveness. And the first paragraph talks about forgiving basically everything. <laughs> and... Um, but it is talking about this thing of establishing the holy relationship as, you know, as a recognition of the ubiquity of the holy instant. And, uh, you know, given that word. Anyway, um, so it, the last sentence of the first paragraph is, then you will be ready to begin learning just how different it really is to live in the reality of relationship. And here's paragraph two. Your brother does not exist apart from you, nor you from your brother. This is reality. Your mind is not contained within your body, but is one with God and shared equally with all alike. This is reality. The heart that is the center of your being 
is the center of everything that exists. This is reality. None of these things make you less than what you have perceived yourself to be, but they do make it impossible for you to be separate. You can desire what is impossible until the end of your days, but you cannot make it possible. Why not forgive the world for being other than what you have thought it to be and begin to learn what it really is? That is, this is what the world is here for. And when you have learned what it would teach you, you will have no need of it. You will have need of it no more, and you will gently let it go and find heaven in its place. And uh, I think that's the intent of establishing the conditions of forgiveness. And I'm complete. Thank you. That was beautiful, Lemoyne. Thank you. Yeah, I really loved that. Thank you, Lemoyne. could go on, but it, it seems to be a good point in which I'll end the recording. Call continues, and uh, thanks for being here. <laughs>